Hello, Monetization Nation. In the last episode with Nick Panai, we discussed the benefits of leveraging artificial intelligence in our businesses. In today's episode, we're going to discuss Nick's greatest monetization secret, pursuit marketing. Okay, so why don't you define that for our listeners and watchers? What is account-based marketing and what is pursuit marketing? Yeah. So account-based marketing, you know, has been around for a long time conceptually, right? And, and what that means is you are marketing to a market of one, right? So instead of segment marketing or industry marketing or pure brand marketing, where you're basically blasting out shotgun kind of approach, this is finally targeted towards one account, account-based marketing. And what that means is that the tactics you utilize don't necessarily change, but they get more refined and they get more targeted because you're talking to one customer. It suggests that you work very closely with the sales team so that you understand the strategy around that particular account. And you have an ABMer who is in essence in a virtual extension of the sales team, working very closely with the sales team. That is my definition. I will tell you, Nathan, that I've met many people in my career that use a looser definition of ABM because they're thinking, well, you know, if it's five accounts in New York area, then we can do a campaign that's an ABM campaign. It's not because it's five of them. So even if they're in the same zip code and the same industry and they have the exact same number of employees, they're not the same company. They have different care abouts, different issues, therefore a different sales strategy. So account-based marketing is one-on-one. How is that different? from pursuit marketing. Pursuit marketing is all of that, plus there is a strategic deal on the table. Whether it's an RFP that the sales is going after, or, you know, request for proposal, or there's uh, a opportunity that we uncovered in marketing or they uncovered in sales, and we wanna go after that opportunity. It's strategic, it's big, it's important for the business. And therefore, all of the marketing that we do in a finely tuned way is with one end game in mind, and that is to close the deal. So it has a beginning and an end. It's more project driven versus ABM that's always on for a big account. And you're basically trying to keep that account as engaged as possible and go deeper into, into their wallet. That's ABM. Pursuit has to do with a specific opportunity. Okay. So, and, and you say you prefer the, the pursuit marketing. That's your specialty. Is that I, correct? I would say it's a lot more fun to do pursuit marketing because it's very binary. You win or you lose. So there's no, there's no debate on whether or not you're successful, right? If you have an account that's always on and there's always a lot of things going on in the business, you're not quite sure if you're moving the needle. For the most part, you are because the, the, your sales team is penetrating deeper into that account or they have more stickiness into that account. So it's still a lot of fun, but there's nothing more fun than the, the hunt for a big campaign, a big, a big win. Okay. So let's dive deep into this pursuit-based marketing for a bit here. Why don't you go through and, and talk us through what are the steps of running a successful pursuit-based marketing campaign? And then maybe you can share with us a, a couple of examples of, of companies that have done a good job of implementing this. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you the, the highlights, right? So first of all, it starts with 
a mutual understanding between sales and marketing of what this is. Because I can guarantee you eight out of 10 salespeople who haven't done it wouldn't know what you mean by that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important to sit down and explain that pursuit marketing is a privilege, not a right. And for that privilege, because you're focusing money and resource for that particular account or to that sales team, for that privilege, the sales team owes you back access and trust and respect. Once you have that, then marketing gets embedded into the sales teams early on. We need to be part of this pursuit from the glimmer in the eye stage. Not when you've progressed down to the point where you're like doing orals and you want marketing to give you bouncy balls and, and a nice video, right? It, the important thing is that we're engaged early. We understand the strategy, why? The more you understand about the strategy, the more finely tuned your marketing campaign is to that account. And you're very careful with the message because your message in the marketing side has to line up with the message that the salesperson is, is communicating as they engage with that prospect. So it starts with that. From there, we develop a campaign, a bespoke marketing plan, like any marketer would do. What are the tactics? What are we trying to achieve? What are the KPIs? What is the sequence of those tactics? Most importantly, engage with a creative agency or a creative team if you have it and build the theme around this campaign so it hangs together. So once you're able to then start the tactical part, whether it's outbound emails or a webinar or a blog or a Twitter feed uh, access or something like that or anything else or a call, the theme is the same, it holds together. So the customer or the prospect is not hearing different things from different tactics. It even looks and feels as a campaign. So again, to a salesperson, this is music to their ears, right? It's almost like going to a salesperson saying, I'm gonna run an ad campaign just for you, just for your customer, now nobody yeah. else. So they're all over it and, and so are we, and, and that's how that works. What are the, the biggest mistakes that people make in a, in a pursuit marketing campaign? Um, so I'll tell you the biggest, the biggest mistake that marketing makes is if you don't hold sales to that agreement that this is a two-way street, that it needs to be a trust-based relationship. Because sometimes sales move so fast and they're thinking, oh, you, I don't need to include the marketing folks on this call because we're gonna talk about things that don't belong in marketing. That's the biggest misnomer, right? Because everything that happens in that account, we should know about so we can adjust Mark, maybe we'll use seven out of the 10 facts or two out of the 10 facts that you talk about in that meeting, but we need to be in that meeting. The, the, biggest, the biggest mistake that marketers make is they let sales get away with saying, yes, we're gonna include you and then gradually excluding them. Right. And then they still try to do marketing and guess what? It's gonna, it's gonna be unsuccessful because you've lost touch of the sales strategy and what's happening in that account. So it needs to be very, very carefully crafted. The biggest mistake, I don't know about biggest, so I guess the most painful from a marketer standpoint that salespeople make is they think that they are a creative, right? So 
if you ask salesperson, say, hey, you know what, this is a campaign we're thinking about, what do you think? They forget that they're salespeople and not in marketing and they start to craft, you know, colors and shapes and language, which they may be a very gifted communicator, but would, would rather that they stay selling and we stay marketing, right? right? So, you know, that's usually some of the things, but look, like I said, these are human beings you're talking to. So if you establish a good, strong relationship, you can easily say, even if they veer into this by mistake, say time out, let me do my marketing, you do the sales. You just tell me, is this on strategy? Don't rewrite this campaign for me. Is this on strategy is what I'm asking you, right? right. But if, yeah, if you have a good relationship, it could be good banter between people as well, as opposed to a confrontational thing. So what are some of the elements of a good pursuit marketing campaign? You, you talked about a, a customized ad campaign. Do you do customized ad campaigns just for one yeah. customer? Absolutely. So here's the beauty, right? When I started in marketing 10 gazillion years ago, uh, when digital marketing was in digital tools, digital advertising wasn't available, that was a much more difficult thing to do, right? Because you would have to literally sit down with an ad agency and create brochures and, you know, TV advertising and things of that sort that are expensive and hard to customize. That's not the case now, right? You can do digital ad campaigns uh, that are mass customizable very easily, meaning you can take a thousand customers, write the piece that you want to write and have some variable that adjusts slightly for each one of those thousand customers. That's all in the, in the beauty of digital marketing. So it's very, very easy to do, uh, to do that kind of thing. So you have the tools, you can actually do even now billboard advertising, electronic billboards using ABM uh, methodologies, right? Because there's technologies that know, I'll give you a great example. There's a company we work with that has uh, a huge database of um, where companies are in terms of their IP addresses, their locations and so forth. And then they're able to understand the movement of people from headquarters to their homes at night and back, right? Not at the individualized level, but as a group, the company employees, right? Yes. They're able to then map those routes and go buy advertising for us along those routes in digital billboards. Now, how great is that, right? Yeah, that's I, pretty I, cool. Yeah, I don't have to go buy the whole city of Atlanta. I can just buy the highway that 80% of the people use to go from the suburbs to the office. Right. If that's, if that's what I'm trying to do. Okay, so let me restate this and see if I'm understanding. So you would, let's say you're trying to sell a software product to, you gave Atlanta as an example, I think, Coca-Cola is there in Atlanta. Um, I could be wrong. Um, yes. So let's say you're trying to sell, you have a software product you're trying to sell to Coca-Cola. Um, so you would create customized ad campaigns for your software and you would buy billboards um, that employees, Coca-Cola employees would see coming to and from work. You might also do the same thing online where you identify Coca-Cola IP addresses for the company, and then you deliver as they go to CNN or different sites across the internet, they're seeing ads for your software targeted to Coca-Cola employees. Um, how else? Give me some other examples of, of how, how you might normally do something like that. You can go take over the regional airport where executives from the company fly in and out of. 
regional airports are usually very small. You can go take over an airport with advertising for like $10,000 for a whole week. Right? Yeah. And if you're going after a multi-million dollar deal, think about this. So especially if it's a large purchase where executives are the decision makers and influencers, yeah. you don't need to go influence every employee at Coca-Cola. You can just go influence the decision makers. And imagine they, they go fly in and out of that airport and all they see is you in the, in the airport. Makes you look huge. Yeah. They don't know you're just targeting them. Yeah. So you stole the words out of my mouth. As far as they're concerned, they're thinking these guys have like a hundred million dollar ad budget. You know, little do they know that you're only targeting them, right? <laughs> so uh, we actually were able to do that with billboard advertising, traditional billboard advertising outside of their headquarters. You know, we had huge billboards outside of their headquarters. So they would walk out of the office. There's the billboard. They'd get into, uh, you know, by the train station. We own that particular stop at the station. You know, they'll go whatever to the other local office. Then we own them there. And then as a matter of fact, we were selling to an ad, uh, to a, an automobile company in Germany, one of the big ones. And we actually leased one of their vehicles, the, the most recent vehicle that they had in the market, wrapped it with our advertising and parked it in, at their headquarters and then had it driving around, you know, around headquarters all the time. They just couldn't miss it. <laughs> so, yeah, and they, they think you're everywhere. They see you all over the place. You know, they, that's the idea, right? And, and again, that's if the strategy is let's go get into their head, right? At least they know the name where they didn't know the name before, but you can get a lot more sophisticated than that. You have, say you have five decision makers. There's companies now that give you, have a great, actually a great uh, one to recommend for you guys that, that actually builds dossiers for executives that grab all the information that is known about that executive into like a two or three page prose. Mm -hmm. Then you go study that executive and you figure out that, hey, they're speaking at this event or they're on Twitter all the time or they, you know, on LinkedIn, they own their own, you know, whatever blog uh, type of space. And you go reach out to them specifically and, and you write a blog that they would be interested in and you DM them and say, hey, I, I thought you'd be interested in this blog. Little did they know that you wrote it just for them. They just think you wrote a, you wrote a blog. That's right. It happens to be 100% refined to, to, get, to get to what they're interested in. Yeah, you could even write a blog about that executive. You, you could. could. It invite that executive to be on your podcast just so you could build a relationship oh, with that see, executive. See, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not that I would ever do that. <laughs> Nathan, it depends on how much you want to spook that executive, right? So, you know, the, uh, there's executives out there, uh, including myself, that I, th I think there's an art and a science to this. And I, I appreciate this because I do this for a living, right? There's others that may be in government or sensitive areas that, uh, they don't really like that as much. And in those cases, you still target them. You just don't call them out. You target them because they see your ads all the time. But if it's somebody like me, and I appreciate good marketing like that, and somebody, I, I saw an ad that said, hey, Nick, you know, you should really take care of this. I'm not going to get pissed off. I, I kind of like that, right? So yeah. you got to know your audience. And again, let's go back to ABM, an audience of one. That's the beauty of that is that you're, the more you understand, the more you know, the better your marketing campaign can be. Yeah. 
I love it. This is this is brilliant. So this doesn't work for small dollar accounts, small sales, but when you're trying to close a very large contract, this can make an awful lot of sense. Uh, yeah, I would make one point is because actually smaller companies ask me the same thing. I would say that's not the case because it's all relative. What's important is, are there big deals on the table that will make or break your quarter, right? Regardless of how small you are versus the deals versus another big company, are there important deals on the table? The answer is yes, unless it's a minimal amount of money then you can do some of those things pretty inexpensively and still the cost of acquisition makes sense. It doesn't have to be like, for example, in my previous employer, it was sometimes multi-billion, but most of the time in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So it was brain dead easy to make a determination. The only question would be, okay, how many thousands of dollars we're gonna spend towards this particular pursuit. But if we were in a smaller company, and I could do eight out of the 10 tactics, it doesn't cost that much money to write a blog, right? You get a writer and write it for $300. Yeah, so, that's right. You know, so it really, a lot of these things are all about smart marketing, not expensive marketing. Well, and the beauty of this too, is when you do those tactics, they're, they're marketing to other people as well. Even though you're targeting this one person, when you do that takeover ad at the regional airport, there's other business executives that use that regional airport. So it can bring other business value to you as well. You have a positive halo for sure. And as a matter of fact, sometimes it's even defined by the, by the marketing tool you use. Case in point with LinkedIn, which we use all the time, uh, because LinkedIn obviously is the master database of all business, right? So they have amazing segmentation targeting information. So you can actually target in LinkedIn level function, location of the office within that company, all of that stuff, right? Okay. But, you know, but you have to be able to have enough impressions to buy, in essence, an, an ad campaign. It doesn't make sense to buy, you know, a thousand impressions. It just economically doesn't make sense. So usually what you do there is you either expand it within the company and to your point, you get this positive halo across that company or you target four or five other companies as well. So you group them together. The real benefit you're going after is that one, but if the message resonates with the four or five others, that's good, right? Because yeah. it's still inexpensive because you're still only going after five, not 5,000 or 500,000, five. So That's it's right. economically very viable. Okay. What else? What are any other tactics or strategies that you'd want to share about how to do this? Yeah, I will say um, the events, even though, you know, right now we all forgot how to have actual physical contact with people, it will come back, you know, and, and yep. events will come back again. As a matter of fact, I think they'll come back even, even more than before, because there's a lot of pent up demand for human contact. So I think there will come a time where there's events. So before you go to an event, think about this again, right? So that particular company, are they gonna be at the event, right? So you work with the event organizer and you can buy that information or find it out. Are they gonna be at that event? Great, okay. Now you start to reach out to those people that are gonna be at that event over Twitter, DM or LinkedIn and say, oh, you know, I noticed you're gonna be at that event. Um, 
We're also going to have one of our executives there, whether or not you plan to have one depends on their answer. You know, do you want, do you want to take a meeting, you know, while you're there? Can we take you out to dinner? Yeah. You know, or, or having a small group of executives do a little round table, would you like to participate? So you almost let their answer, if you're doing ABM or pursuit marketing, determine whether or not you have the event. Yeah, or yeah, that's right. We have we have done that a lot in my businesses over the years. And I would say that more than half of my company revenue has come from that strategy right there, right. where we we go to industry events and we really don't care about the event. What we care about is connecting with specific executives at those events. So we we get we get from the event the list of who's going to be there, right. and then we reach out to those people, the key people in advance. We research them, identify them. We reach out to them in advance and just ask them if we can take them to dinner. Or I, I love ta- I love Washington D.C. events because we plan. We get a like a specialized vehicle that takes us around to all of the different. Uh, uh, monuments at nighttime, right? And so you invite them to some kind of specialized event um, in the evening and, and uh, a lot of business revenue can be generated by creating those one-on-one connections at those events. You can never go wrong with that, right? Even, even in the outside chance that they find out or they realize that the only reason you did all of that was for them, that's not a problem, right? No, then they're honored that you care about them and that relationship that much. I did this event just for you. It's probably not the worst thing you can tell to somebody. Yeah, no. that's right. And to even keep it less expensive, I mean, you, you can do an event just for that person, right? Or you can find events that are already happening, right? That you know those people are going to go to and you go to an existing event. You get a, a booth at an event you know they're going to be at. You you plan evening activities that you you know they're going to be at. So you can piggyback off of existing events to save you a little bit on the expense there. No, no question. But And again, it goes back to the positive halo, right? The positive side effect. If at the end of the day, you know, you take eight executives out to dinner, but the real the real target is that one executive. Guess what? Seven other executives That's right. <laughs> now know about you and they've been treated to dinner, right? That's right. I don't, I don't think that would ever be a bad move. Right? That's right. And the executive you're targeting, most of them don't want to just hear from vendors, right? As much, as much as we have compelling stories to tell, they learn from one another more than anything else. So having mm-hmm. a, a group of executives at dinner sponsored or hosted by the vendor. That's one of the best, best tactics you can ever do. Incredibly effective business strategy. The conversion rate of that is very high. Thank you so much, Nick, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, pursuit marketing is focused on a market of one with a very strategic deal. Number two, pursuit marketing comes down to a strong relationship between marketing and sales. We have to work together. Number three, the more we understand sales strategy, the more finely tuned our marketing is to that account. We can be very intentional about the messages we choose to send. Number four, when we know who we want to market to, we should get all the data we can so we can target them directly with our marketing campaigns. In pursuit marketing, customized and targeted ads work best. Number five, with the data, we can find where our customer is spending the most time and then place ads in those specific spots where we know they will see and engage with them. 
To learn more about or connect with Nick, you can find him on LinkedIn or his website, Amelia.ai. And there's links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at monetizationnation.com. You can learn how to leverage passion marketing to become a top priority of your ideal customers by downloading my free ebook at passionmarketing.com. If you received value from this episode, I would be very grateful if you would subscribe to the show, write a review, and share it with a friend. You can subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your pursuit marketing. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.